Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. We are back in the saddle again with some phenomenal guest expert interviews, conversations. That's what we do here anyways. We have good conversations and get some backstory and life and business lessons. They're going to help you and me as we continue down this path of business owner entrepreneurship. And again, you probably know if you've been listening for a while that I love to have conversations about things that affect all areas of life as the owner, right? So things that I want to know and you probably want to know as well. One of those areas is health, energy, vitality, fitness, all of that aspect that, man, I can tell you that over the years, I've had seasons in my life when I'm just on it and feeling great and my business thrives because of it. And there's times, in fact, lately, you know, there was this whole pandemic thing that happened a while back. And when I went through there, I got some of that slothful stuck stuff and I had really low energy and the business suffered, not just because of the world, but I think a lot because of where my mindset was with my energy. So I have been uh, searching around and I brought on someone today that I'm real excited to get into this conversation with. His name is Sean Wells. He has more letters after his name than I think he has letters in his name, but he is the world's leading nutritional biochemist, and he's an expert on health optimization. Now, here's what I mean by the world's leading nutritional biochemist. He's not just a quote-unquote health coach. He's formulated over 500 different supplements, food, beverages, patented 10 different novel ingredients, including a few that I can't even, I'm trying to read them here, and he, he's going to have to say them for me because I can't pronounce these. But they're pretty interesting. He's on the science side of this, right? And for the, you know, for years and years, he's counseled thousands of people on different, you know, fresh solutions, innovative solutions for health. And he's covered all the topics, you know, the, the buzzwords, the keto, the paleo, fasting, intermittent fasting, supplementation, and he's overcome many of his own health issues that we'll probably get to as well, including chronic fatigue, Epstein-Barr virus, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, my goodness, and even a pituitary tumor. We'll get into all that and more later on in the show. Sean Wells is with me. Welcome, buddy. How are you? Uh, thank you, Matt, for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to chat. I man, I I told you before we went to tape. I cannot wait to uh, to kind of pick your brain here. You know, often on the show, one of the things I love about it is that it's like I get to have a cup of coffee with some of the world's most brilliant people, and you're certainly uh, way up there, if not at the top of it. When you were younger, did you always have that kind of scientific mind to get into this sort of thing, or is this something? Do you ha are you more this guy that you had your own ailments and issues, and you were like, I got to figure this out. What drove you to the science side of all that? It's more the latter. And I, I became the scientist over time looking for solutions. But what's cool is like I grew up a child that was always creative. And what I think has helped me is like I bring in branding. I help companies go to sale. I help companies rebrand in the supplement space. But I also come up with this hero's journey of these ingredients or these products. And, and then I also come up with like these novel ingredients like well what would be like a solution for this pathway or what's a similar chemical to this drug that i could find in nature and so i get to apply like my creative brain to my scientific brain and 
And I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm left and right-handed. And I think like there's an aspect of that that's like, I get to pull in like the, the creative and analytical sides of my brain in a perfect marriage. Wow. And have you, again, since you were a kid, like, did you play Little League or anything? Were you like, you know, were, did you hit both ways? Tell me about the ambidextrous side of life, because my kid's left-handed and I'm right-handed. Are you throwing with left-handed and writing with right? Or how did that work out for you? Yeah, I play volleyball still all the time and I, I use both hands and yeah, I play soccer, like you know, some sports, like I, you know, do left, some sports I do right, some are more ambidextrous, but yeah, definitely I'm blessed that way. And, and again, like with the, you know, right side being like the, the right side of the brain that's associated with, with left hand dominance is kind of more the creative side tends to be. And the left side of the brain, right-hand dominance is associated with more of an analytical brain. And so I think like, I know people that are absolutely, and my partners, I have two uh, partners that are organic chemists that help me with study design and patent application, two German guys, really brilliant. And then I have a, a Chinese partner that has a 400,000 square foot facility in China and MBA and, and brilliant chemists too. And these guys are all super, super smart and analytical, but they, they look to me to be the creative one, to come up with these ideas for new ingredients, to make the connections to new partners. And, you know, that's kind of fun. And then I'm around other people that are just amazing artists and, you know, do this work in, in branding and, and logo design that I just can't do. So like, but I find that like, I'm the glue between them all. You, do you find that in other areas in life as well? That like you kind of personality wise, you tend to be like the glue for negotiations or the glue if maybe two friends are having a conflict, you're kind of like the, hey, we can figure this out guy? 100%. I'm, uh, I'm like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, fairly big dude, like, you know, 225. And, and I have like some, a masculine look, a masculine energy. I'm like calm and, you know, quiet. I have a protector provider energy, but also like I've done a lot of deep self work. I've been through a lot of physical ailments, mental ailments. I've almost killed myself three different times, had depression, anxiety, like we talked about in the, in the intro, the obesity, anorexia. I've had two discs replaced in my neck. I've had autoimmune issues. Like I've been through it and I have a lot of healing, nurturing feminine energy as well. And I feel like, again, I, I hold space. It just allows me to to be the glue, like even when I'm in consciousness spaces, plant medicine environments, you know, things like that. Like I, I'm a space holder. I listen. I'm a very like deeply connected, present listener. And that helps me so much to understand new concepts, to connect to people in business, to hold space for people to speak their truth. Most times where we just want to talk, we want to talk over people. And I feel like one of the best lessons I've learned in my life is that the most powerful person in the room isn't the loudest talker, they're the best listener. Yeah, I agree with that part as well. There's a lot of right now, there's a lot of power in being able to, as you said, hold a space, but being able to not like I'm watching a lot of people try to convince other people of things, right? And if I'm convinced of what I know and I, and I'm certain of it and I'm just excited and maybe it's a positive thing. Like trust me, intermittent fasting is the best. You should all do it. And everybody should get an air fryer. Everyone should be vegan or whatever it is. 
and it doesn't convince anybody, right? Because to your point, it's like I'm shouting, you know, what I believe is right. I, I I'm not a big fan of the the my truth, your truth thing because I don't I don't know that I don't know. I, for me, I, I'm much more. I just understand that everyone has their perspective, right? We all got our place we're coming from. We all have what we believe is right. And when you can just get curious instead of get dominant, right? Could you speak to the kind of the the curiosity attitude, even towards like your own ailments, not just other people, but your own body and how and why you do things. Could you kind of talk to us a little bit about the power of that and maybe how to tap into it a bit more? That, that's such an amazing point, Matt. I love that point. And from all my plant medicine work, that's probably the number one thing that's come out of it is getting curious and getting playful like bringing out that inner child, like what lights me up. And then also coming up with ways like uh, one of my, I, I just did the passion test by Janet and Chris Atwood. And like my number one was, you know, just being in integrity with myself. And my metrics for that, like was, did I chase something that lights me up today? And then number two, did I set boundaries around the things that do not? And that's an important one too, that, that doesn't happen very much. So speaking to that point of like your, you know, speaking your truth kind of thing that you were just talking about, I think that's an important one that people don't see or say a lot is putting boundaries. That's one of the best forms of self-love is creating boundaries around the things that, that you don't feel comfortable with, things that do cause you self-harm. So those are important, but I love what you're saying. Like I because I was such a hard worker, a grinder. Yep. Uh, I was grinding myself into oblivion. I was like doing biohacking, but I, it, that was the mindset I was bringing in was hacking myself. I wanted shortcuts. I, I wanted like the quick fix. Like yeah. I, it wasn't coming from a place of self-love. It was like performance. How can I get more? You're almost using yourself, like prostituting your own body for your own goals in a way, right? Totally, totally. And then surprisingly your body doesn't trust you yes and you know it breaks down exactly it breaks down so you know i found that like even when i was doing plant medicine work early on that it was work plant medicine work and then i started shifting my intention to play and being creative and bringing out my gifts and being blessed and having gratitude for that. And just having, like you said, curiosity is one of the best words you could possibly use. And a scientist should be someone that's curious. It's not religion. Whenever you hear scientific fact or scientific proof, it's no longer science. It's marketing. Real science, real science ends with in this particular study, in this particular scenario, in these particular criteria, with these particular people, in this particular way, we saw these particular statistics and averages, but at the end, we need to do more research. It's not proof. It's not fact. It's just directional data and any good study ends with, we need more data and that's it. And so like- the, And you don't like, have to look much further than the last, you know, year and a half, two years of everybody's life around the world where, you know, what you just said, I'm resonating going, yeah, that sounds exactly like what I hear on the news, right? Where we're looking at, there's this a new virus and, there, and there's certainly a lot to learn and to figure out and to explore and to wrestle with and, 
there might even be more than one right way to go forward and there might be more than one wrong way to go forward but when you so for me i start hearing those alarm bells go off when someone says this is what we have to do this one thing because the science says blank and i'm like i don't i don't think that's entirely true i think the science says that maybe and a lot of other things and there's future research to work on exactly i love i I'm, 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 buddy, I'm vibing already. This is very, very good. So I cut you off. Continue if you still have that thought. Yeah, there's bioindividuality. There, there's multiple okay. paths, like you're saying. And Well, can we actually get right into that real quick? And I said, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. So you said bioindividuality. And so instantly I got a, a question about this is I remember years ago reading the eat for your blood type. Do you remember those like diet? You know, if you're O, you have to eat meat. And if you're AB, vegetarian, all that. And the first experience I had was, well, golly gosh, if this person is supposed to be this blood type and then they try to eat, you know, a vegetarian diet and it doesn't work or they feel tired and they eat meat and they feel great. How do you reconcile this thing? So what, how do you approach really like any, not, not diet fads, but intermittent fasting or paleo or all plant-based vegan? How do you reconcile that against the, as you said, the bio-individuality? Is that a key component or do you believe there's certain things that cross all thresholds? Like, you know, there's, there's teachers out there saying everybody should be raw vegans because that's the way that, they, that you get healthy. And there's people that would say, well, that doesn't work for everybody. Where do you stand on that? And kind of what's the approach that we could take? Yeah. That, and that's a great question as well. And, you know, bio-individuality means that it's not just a question of genetics. It's a question of compliance. And know that like genetics or like in, in this case, like blood type, like you're saying, there's also epigenetics, right? Like that we change genetically over time based on our environment, based on our mood state and our mind state, right? So it's not quite that simple. And then what's the environment allowing us to be or do, right? So like we're to just blanketly say, you know, you need this mask, but maybe they have asthma. Like you may, you need this vaccine, but maybe they're pregnant right now. And there's not a whole lot of data on that. It's like, I don't like blanket anything. Like, to be honest, like I am militantly in the middle and I feel like the middle's so lost right now. I'm libertarian, I'm agnostic and everything is like getting put in two boxes. Like you're either left or you're right. You're either mask or you're anti-mask. You're vax or you're anti-vax. You're it's a very dangerous place for any country and any community to be. You're Biden or you're Trump. You're this or that. Everything is falling. Yeah, you're in. a meat eater or you're a vegan. And it's like, well, I, I love a lot of plant-based stuff, but I also had some bacon and I don't know, you know, <laughs> like, right. And, and let me ask you this, like why, like you're an NLP guy, I believe. So, you know, that like, if there's one choice, we'll all agree. If there's three or more choices, we have to have discussion, but when there's only two choices, you can get put in boxes and you can dismiss that person without discussion and just tell them that they're wrong. And there's psychological components to this too that make you, there's actually oxytocin does have a dark side potentially like where we get tribal. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, man. And we be, we divide out into tribes and, and we want to defend our side, no matter whether it's logical or not logical. It's kind of like sports teams or like, this is like what happens, like that's my team. And no, no matter whether they're doing well or not, whether they're justified for their behaviors or not, you've got their back or that's my brand. Under Armour is my brand, you know, like 
it represents me. And then you become religious about it and ignore data. And then you start doing what's really unscientific is cherry picking data. That's right. Yeah, you, you can you can get it to say anything you want. A lot of people are claiming science right now, but they're cherry picking data. It's no different than someone taking the Bible and cherry picking verses. Right. Not looking at like this book holistically and saying this book's all about love, but they'll pick out something that's, you know, like very legalistic or something. So, you know, I think that's what's happening a lot right now is, is just be mindful of who benefits from saying this. And is this right for everyone? Because I don't know something that's right for everyone. I don't. There's no study that covers 8 billion people. Uh, there's no health approach that's right for 8 billion people. There's no sexual preference that's right for 8 There's no uh, religious practice that's right for it. Like we need our individuality and that should be protected fiercely. Yeah. You know, when you said 8 billion people, the more details you recover, in people's lives and that's kind of like nlp language recovering the detail like maybe we both love ford mustangs but i really love powder blue and you really love navy blue and we could right so at, at the detail the most minutiae level we're different but we could both be put by someone else into the oh you're a ford guy you know category and i'm not even a ford guy but nonetheless because <laughs> i'm not a, I'm, I'm not a car guy in the first place but when, when you begin deleting the details that make the difference you take the categories from 8 billion to 4 billion and then to 1 billion and then to 1 million and pretty soon to your point you can have this tribal where the most dangerous place to be is your one or the other how do you when you run into the people that are kind of hell-bent on your left or your right your fox news or cnn your vegan or or meat eater or whatever yeah other than again just kind of hey you know it's gonna be okay what is your act what's your approach when you are when you're forced might be the wrong word but forced in in relationship maybe it's family maybe it's it's co-workers and you're looking at it going you know i don't really need to like this is not taking a stand in my life i just how can i honor myself and not get caught up in the tribal war that I don't believe in in the first place. Yeah, several things. You're an NLP guy, so like there's chunking up and chunking down. Talk to us about that. The, a case of chunking up, like we were just talking about. At the end of the day, when I've been in these plant medicine spaces, for example, you know, I'm around people that are that are trans, that are you know coming out as gay, that are that are black, that are white, that are Republican, that are Democrat, that are like scared about the virus that don't give a crap about the virus, whatever. But when you talk to these people in love, what is it they're looking for? They're looking to be happy. They're looking for connection, whether they're Republican, Democrat, Trump or Biden, everyone's just looking to be happy, to have safety, to enjoy their life, to feel connected. We're all the same on that level. Yeah. And when you do chunk up to that level, it's amazing. But Think about who's trying to play out these details and why, why it triggers us, why it puts us in a situation of clickbait or getting angry and sharing that, right? Sharing this, uh, this news show or this clip on Facebook and, and we're frustrated. It's intentionally that way. It's a narrative one for you to buy stuff. It's a narrative for you to share stuff. It's a narrative for you to click stuff. Yep. You're being manipulated. 
you know, the best way to deal with that is tune the fuck out to that stuff. <laughs> Turn it off and start connecting with real people. When you connect with real people, you'll see we have a ton in common. I have friends from like literally every walk of life, every belief, and I love that. Like the more eclectic my friends, the more like it excites me. I want to be challenged on a mental level. I want to have my belief set challenged constantly. I think very differently than I thought years ago because I'm surrounding myself with high level thinkers of all types. Yeah, I want to kind of bring it back as well. This is fascinating. We could probably go on for the next hour <laughs> just talking about how do we fix the world? But seriously, I also do believe that part of fixing the world and, and approaching it in a better way is starting in your own house, right? Cleaning up your own room, cleaning up your own family, cleaning up your own messes, right? We need to go to work, so to speak, or we need to go play. We need to take care of our own life. Um, in your book, you have a, I mean, massively best-selling book, pretty cool, called The Energy Formula. And you cover all sorts of aspects about health, nutrition, fitness, mindset, tons of stuff about being energized. But one of the things that, that struck me in uh, one of your chapters in here, you talk about how like changing your life starts with experimentation. I'm a big fan of experimenting and I'll use an example of like food, right? So maybe you wake up and you're like, man, I've been, I've been pooping funny or my stomach's been weird or I've been having low energy. And you realize in your diet, there's 50 items that you eat and maybe you want to experiment with changing some food around. Let's say that, right? Or changing when you go to bed or when you wake up, you change something. Can you talk to us about kind of from a scientific perspective, how should we approach the experimentation process for ourselves? Because I think, you know, like if I just go, I'm going to change everything, then it might change nothing or I might get a change, but I don't know what was the factor. I know I can also kind of go too hard and then I lose the fun in it. So wherever you want to go with that, but I think experimenting on how to change and figure out what it is we need to change is a big, big thing, isn't it? Yeah. So the two hallmarks in experimentation, like I, I give like a lot of the different tests that you should look into and all of that. But the important part about that chapter setting up the whole book is the idea of bioindividuality that someone tells you that keto, that paleo, that intermittent fasting, that cold plunges, that red lights work for me or this, you know, blood type diet or whatever, it works for me or vaccines or mass or whatever works for me, but it may not work for you or vice versa. And that's where you need to explore and listen to your body and use data that you know, someone might get endocarditis from the vaccine or someone that may have some uh, allergies to some of the components of the vaccine should take more care, should explore that with their doctor, should look at their data. It, you know, is my heart prone to inflammation or you know, whatever. They should look at the data. Do I have a tendency towards clotting issues that this could be a concern? Then maybe I shouldn't get this right now or maybe I should do a little bit more research. You need to be your own best advocate. You need to be that scientist for yourself. And so that's important. That's the idea of bioindividuality that, that some influencer on Instagram recommending this diet saying, you know, they lost a ton of weight. That's great for them. And it may work for you. It's directional information. You can take anecdotal feedback. You can take studies. You can take all of that and say, I'm forming an idea I might try this, but I also want data points or metrics for myself to see if it works for me. 
how do I feel on it? Like, how is my HRV from my aura ring or my bio strap or whatever? Is it, is it good? Do I seem to be bouncing back? Are the numbers better? You know, how's my blood work based on this? And so those, that's important. And then the other point you brought up is a big point from that chapter two is the scientific method of doing one thing at a time and assessing that. Otherwise, you don't have the science to delineate whether this one thing is the bad thing or the other thing was, or the other 10 things were. Right, or any unlimited combination of the multiple things you changed, right? Exactly, like the New Year's resolution of like, I'm gonna start dieting, I'm gonna hit the gym, I'm gonna take this fat burner, like I'm gonna get more sleep, I'm like, you know, gonna start dating, I get, you know, and you're doing like 15 things and then you're burnt out and you're, you know, you end up putting on weight and you're like, ah, oh, that diet didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe, maybe. But, you know, maybe not, you know, and there's also this collective idea of stress called allostatic load in your body that you have like a stress bucket and the bucket is, is only so big. You can grow the bucket through hormetic stress and you can increase the size of that bucket by challenging it with positive stress, something called eustress, eustress. But sometimes give us an example of positive stress. Positive stresses could be things like keto dieting, could be uh, intermittent fasting, red light saunas, cold plunges. Okay, so that actually stresses your body, but it has a positive impact. Working out. Yep, exactly. Like working out. All those things can be you stresses. But let's say I just get a divorce. I just lose my job. I got the coronavirus, whatever it is. And then I try working out. I try fasting. I try red light sauna. It might be too much. It might be distress. So you have to be mindful. This is again, bioindividuality. Not only is there my differences that's different from Sean to Matt, but Sean to Sean is different sometimes. Right, Sean at different time periods. Yeah, like sometimes I might have too much stress that this thing that's usually positive is not positive in this case. That's fascinating. So you're like, you're piling, it's good stuff, but you're piling stress on top of stress and all of a sudden you might be breaking down from it. Hey, in, in the time we got, Sean, I wanna um, kind of, a couple of the burning questions that people are, are, they ask and are thinking about a lot when you're running a business and you talked about stress, right? Um, a big aspect of running a business is avoiding burnout and you know being able to maintain energy. So what, what are some ideas or things we should really start thinking about? You know, it, maybe I'm not, I'm not quite ready to to take the plunge, so to speak, and go, okay, I'm going to go do full ketogenic diet, or I'm going to change everything, or even one big, big thing. But what's something I can start to focus on, either something to add to my life, a small thing to subtract to my life that's going to help, you know, whether it's it's reducing stress, boosting some energy, um, avoiding that, that, that burnout, I'm just getting tired at the end of the day, and I feel like I kept rolling a boulder uphill. There's two things that I would put ahead of almost everything biohack and it's the foundation it's why i actually recorded my book i finished my book spent ten thousand dollars to record it in la took 40 hours it's so hard to record your own book true um and i got through it and i thought it's a b plus i want an a plus i ended up taking several more months rewriting about 30 percent of it re-recording the book because i just wanted it to be something that represented all of my passion have the flow 
but I was shifting so much because of the plant medicine work that I was chasing the things that were lighting me up now. And I was open and curious instead of like being heads down and grinding and it all being about biohacking, it was missing some of this self love. Yeah. And if I can't truly love myself, then it is really difficult to truly love others. And if I can't show like people think self care is selfish and it's self full, meaning that you need to show up fully to really help people in the best way possible. And you not taking care of yourself is selfish because you're not really helping anyone if you're not showing up fully. And you need to wrap your head around that. You need to give not from your cup, but from the overflow of your cup. And that's truly important. And I would say the other thing, the biggest thing in terms of biohacking that rarely gets mentioned is quality of sleep. So overlooked, you wanna have more energy during your day, get more sleep, make it a priority. One of my best friends, I would recommend you have her on the show. She's incredible, works with celebrities and all kinds of professionals. Uh, Molly McLaughlin, sleep is a skill. Oh, She is brilliant. Uh, she's adept at, at NLP and, and Landmark and a, and a number of things, really like brilliant when it comes to mindset. But sleep is a skill. And, and I believe that when you're when you're getting there's studies that show like seven and a, seven hours or six and a half hours or less uh, that you become acutely insulin resistant in your brain cells, your neurons. So they're firing more slowly. That brain fog you feel in the morning, it's real. It's why you're reaching for caffeine, for sugar, because your brain needs energy to get going. It's struggling. And that acute insulin resistance over time with chronic sleep deficits becomes chronic insulin resistance. So you're three times more likely to get coronary heart disease and cancer. You're five times more likely to get uh, diabetes. Wow. So this is a serious thing. And then you add sleep apnea or something like that to it, and you will probably not make it past 50 years old. Right. Because we're not even talking about at stacking things, right? Whether it's like, and I'm also not exercising, and I'm stressed out, and I might be overweight, and, and, and. Is it something that you're, I mean, you're really training yourself to sleep poorly if you continue sleeping poorly, or you're training yourself to do that. Um, how easy is it to flip the switch? I'm like, okay, I want to like, what can I do tonight, man? I want to sleep better. I personally, I got, I still have trouble falling asleep and I've heard some, you know, little things to do. And I'm like, but what, like, what should I do tonight to sleep? Two things, sleep hygiene, sleep fortress. So sleep hygiene, sleep Is that hygiene. like the pillow fort my wife sleeps in? <laughs> Similar. Uh, <laughs> Sleep hygiene means getting to sleep on time at the same time, every time. This has to do with circadian rhythm. Okay. Uh, people have something called social jet lag when they stay up late at night, especially on the weekends, that it causes uh, disturbance in your circadian rhythm, your sleep-wake cycle, which all of your hormones and neurotransmitters is based around this day-night sleep-wake cycle. We're supposed to go with the rhythm of the sun. We're not supposed to be firing blue light from an 80 inch TV that's playing, you know, football or Game of Thrones or something that's 
highly triggering sexual violent whatever right and you know bright lights filling the room that's loading our eyes with blue light at midnight um, at midnight from our phones from our tablets from vr devices from our computers from our laptop from our tvs we're getting all this blue light when you go shopping late at night that's blue light all of this is blue light you go see a concert you go see a movie blue light and it's blocking the release of melatonin because your body thinks it's day, it needs to be awake. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge problem. That's one of the biggest reasons that we're struggling to get to sleep. And like I said, and that we're not going to sleep at the same time. We're one of the only species that when we're tired, we force ourselves to stay awake. All the other species, when they're tired, they just go to sleep. Yes, but I mean, we got a wiener dog named Hudson at home. And I'll tell you what, he has no problem taking third nap whenever he's tired. <laughs> There it is. He walks over. Good night. And I get it that, you know, sometimes you might think it might be hard, but prioritizing sleep is important. And making that sleep fortress, this is the next one. When you walk into your room, you know, you know, the power of psychology through NLP that like when you walk into that room, it needs to feel relaxing, like the feng shui of it all right? It needs to feel like when you walk in that room, it's about relaxation. You do not have your cell phone in that room. You do not have a TV in that room. You don't have arguments in that room. You try and keep your kids out of that room. This room needs to be about one thing primarily and, you know, realistically in a relationship, the other thing, but it needs to be about sleep and relaxation. And if you want to read a book, maybe, you know, to kind of unwind cool, but like it needs to be a relaxing room. So you need to have it have a cooler temperature. You need to have plants in there. You need to cover up light leakage with blackout curtains. You need to cover up LEDs on all these devices with like little dot stickers that you can put on the LEDs. You need to change over lights at night. Like if you have to get up and go pee, you can use like a a red filtered flashlight. Um, that won't uh, block melatonin and make it hard for you to get to sleep, you know, keep that by your bed, you know, things like that. Uh, Wearing like I wear, especially when I travel, like the Manta sleep mask, that's an excellent mask. And here's one of the biggest biohacks I can give you, and it's dirt cheap, is taping your mouth. We unfortunately- Did you say taping my mouth? Taping your mouth. We breathe through our mouth And it's not meant to be breathed through. It's a backup system. We aren't filtering the air. It's not the right temperature. It's not the right moisture. The oxygen content is much lower. It's literally causing inflammation in the airways. And you're just not getting as oxygenated in the tissues, especially if you're apneic or borderline sleep apneic. And that talks about snoring or even worse, going long periods of time without breathing. And some people go over a minute without breathing. And that's, that's called being like anoxic or hypoxic where you're not getting oxygen to the tissues. And this can lead to stroke or heart attack. And it literally is a massive killer of, you know, many men that are like overweight, or if you're drinking, it can lead to these things, especially if you're, you know, if your head's back on a pillow or you have like a weight or a lot of weight around your neck, especially, you know, this can lead to uh, sleep apnea and really bad snoring. And, you know, people can be dead in their forties or fifties way before their time. Jeez. It's a serious uh, condition, but even for people that aren't snorers, we tend to breathe through our mouth too much. 
And this is a great, you don't have to do this the rest of your life. Like over a course of weeks to months, you'll start training your body to breathe through your nose. This is also works with even uh, physical training, like whether you're working out with weights or, you know, running or hiking, I know it would look weird. So maybe just do this by yourself. If you have your own home gym, or if you're going out on a walk or a hike by yourself, you know, tape your mouth or be conscious of breathing through your mouth and start forcing yourself to breathe through your nose. It'll be hard at first, but you'll find that you recover faster over time, meaning like the next day you feel like you're you're more recovered but two like even in between bouts like if you were sprinting you'll recover faster in between bouts and the data has shown that just the nose is much more efficient to breathe through what's your go-to type of tape i'm assuming I, not i just tape. use like a yeah i just use like a 3m paper tape but they do have like branded sleep tapes like somnifix that you can buy but of course they you do. know it, if you have facial hair like us it's a little bit harder so i end up using like longer like paper tape kind of strips and like kind of do like an x but if you don't have facial hair you can use like a, a shorter kind of like mouth shaped uh strip like somnifix wow my gosh. I mean, so I always heard, you know, breathe into the nose, breathe out through the mouth. Now you're saying breathe into the nose, breathe out through the nose. The nose is the breathing mechanism. That's why you got nose hair. You got the whole thing is set to filter air, to filter oxygen, and it's, it's set to deliver to you. Well, the problem with breathing out through the mouth is actually different. Um, you're releasing CO2. And we're always told that oxygen is the most important thing, but there's actually new science around CO2 retention and tolerance. And if you do some breath work around this, like holds, like you'll actually get really good at like, you can go like within a matter of minutes in breath work, you can go from holding your breath for one minute to about five minutes, just through manipulating CO2 retention. Wow. So it's a whole new interesting area of science that I, I could spend the whole show on, but yeah, it's very cool. Like that. It's not just about oxygen. It's also about your ability to deal with CO2. Outstanding. Well, Sean, I'm, uh, I ain't gonna lie. I, I might just try the, uh, the tape in my mouth tonight and I'm kicking around the idea of how I can finally get my cell phone out of the bedroom, you know, cause I use the, the little, the sleep, not recorder, but like the sleep, uh, it, it tracks your sleep, right? And like, I've been using that kind of religiously for years. And so there's a little part of me, it's it's like scared, it's sad to go, am I gonna cut this off and just leave it in the living room? But I think I need to. You Maybe can do time. an aura ring and uh, you can even like turn the Bluetooth off on the aura ring. And then like when you turn on your, your phone and you're done sleeping, that you can turn on that, that Bluetooth in the morning and it'll pull in all the data. But you can have that aura ring recording through the night and not have your device next to you. All right. Dude, you solved it, man. I love it. <laughs> this is great. Sean Wells, thank you for coming on. This has been a blast. Guys, the book is The Energy Formula. Uh, and you can pick up, uh, well, tell us, you know, where can we find out more about this? I know you can go to energyformula.com. You can get the book, you got the audio book, the ebook, the physical book, a bunch of goodies that go along with that, of course. And then feel free, you've been so gracious with us. Uh, how else can we get in touch with you? And what's the best things to check out all things Sean Wells? Oh, thanks, man. Uh, energyformula.com, you're right. It's a full color book, front to back. Even the hardcover book is full color. There's over 60 diagrams. There's surveys in there, chapter summaries, formulators, corners that go through all the supplements, resource hacks that go through all the devices and, and techniques and apps, all this cool stuff that I'm talking about. And then, yeah, the ebook is super cheap, uh, like really, very reasonable. These things are 
listed on USA Today, Forbes, Amazon bestseller, and then the Audible I recorded myself. So yes. And if you go to energyformula.com, you can listen to or read the first two chapters. Please check that out. And I would love your feedback. There's also, if you go to energyformula.com, a fasting for energy guide, a hidden chapter on natural movement, recipe books, Q and A's, a bunch of stuff that's free. Um, SeanWells.com, S-H-A-W-N. I have a newsletter that doesn't sell anything. The only thing I've ever sold is my book. And I think it's a very excellent buy for the money. And I make next to no money off of it. Uh, this is all about helping other people. So the SeanWells.com has a newsletter that goes out every week. It's all science, like breaking down new research, you know, podcasts that I've been on, all this kind of stuff. It's super cool. I think you'll love it. And then lastly, Sean Wells at Sean Wells Instagram. And I have like a lot of cool infographics and breaking down ingredients and stacks and, you know, immune health stacks and nootropic stacks and things like that there. And, and if you want to reach out to me and have any questions on your supplements or biohacks, just DM me there on Instagram. Yeah, you have a you have a pretty cool Instagram profile. It's definitely worth uh, throwing a follow, guys, and check out Sean Wells, S-H-A-W-N, as you said. Sean, thanks for coming on, man. You've been awesome. Appreciate your time. Get out there and I guess keep on uh, keep on being balanced. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on, Matt. All right, y'all. That was the show this week. Hope you enjoyed that, man. Sean Wells, what a uh, what a pleasure. Uh, what a phenomenal human being. And again, the book is The Energy Formula. And you can get it at energyformula.com. And then you can follow Sean at Sean Wells Instagram and YouTube for all that great info. Again, a wealth of information and a heart of gold. You can follow me at Matt Browning on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Of course, you're not going to get much on Twitter, but if you go to Instagram and YouTube, you will get more. You can always get back episodes of this show, The Driven Entrepreneur On Demand, wherever you get podcasts. Throw us a review, five stars or four or three. I really don't care. As long as you throw something uh, over and let people know what you're enjoying out of this. I'll see you next week with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye.